Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting into the Mavericks 142-116 to victory over the San Antonio Spurs. The feel-good win of the century in this one. Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving's first victory together at home. It was the perfect sort of victory to come right out of the All-Star break and sort of right the ship after... The Mavericks kind of went into the All-Star break a little bit disgruntled going on that three-game skid there. Jaron, what were your immediate thoughts of the game? Uh, I mean, it was definitely a feel-good win. Uh, You know, there's a lot you can take away, but then again, it is against the Spurs. But I'm going to let this one ride uh, just because, you know, this team was treading downhill before the All-Star break. And, of course, you know, a big win like this feels good. So I'm going to let this one ride out. Uh, And, you know, Luca, Kyrie, and uh, I got to shout out Justin Holiday. They, they're the real the real deal. Yes, sir. Uh, eight Mavericks in double figures tonight. Jaron brought that up to me before we started. I uh, definitely – I don't know if that's happened at all this season, but – You cannot count yeah. that on one hand, folks. You can't. That's uh, the hallmark of diversity right there. The Mavericks, uh, as we've profiled many times this season, have definitely not have the de- – ha- have necessarily had the depth to do that, and they still really don't. But nonetheless – Um, they played like they did tonight. And, you know, my main summation of all of this is that it's fun, Jaron. Like we're having fun. I I said on Twitter that I wasn't going to use the I word that Mr. Jalen Brunson denoted, but the vibes are fun. And there's a sort of aurora around this team uh, that's comparable to last year when they were about to go on that run. I don't know if this team's necessarily about to go on this run, but I mean, just stylistically watching this team play, uh, the pacing, you know, just Kyrie's inclusion, win or loss, it's a lot more fun. So I don't know how much we can necessarily take away from this game, of course, be it, you know, the Spurs without Devin Vassell and, you know, a few other guys I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But we'll definitely, you know, bask in this. And this could be, you know, one of those victories that ends up catalyzing and really riding the ship for a big run on the horizon. So, you know, the Mavericks got a big home stretch here, so we're going to have to see what happens, but it's going to be a fun one to dissect and sort out all the intricacies. But before we do that, of course, here's an ad from our sponsor anchor. All right, Jaron. So getting into it here, of course, the Mavericks in that first half came away with 74 points. You really saw the full diversification of their offense with Luca and Kyrie spearheading the attack there on full display but they also conceded 63 points to what most would argue is a pretty um, volatile uh, Spurs team, to say the least, just in terms of their output offensively, uh, much less defensively, uh, where they are a league worst defense um, per most defensive metrics. But they do have a lot of sort of, you know, boom or bust guys, I guess, that can kind of go off. But Nonetheless, uh, you know, you could definitely argue that the Mavericks should have conceded a little less there and that they gave up one too many easy ones. So what was your opinion uh, just on both sides of the ball in terms of how the Mavericks fared in that first half? 
Yeah, in that first half, uh, speaking, you know, relative to the offense here, uh, they looked really impressive. You know, it looked like the Kyrie uh, Luca train pretty much picked up right where it left off. And, you know, guys were looking really good. You know, the three point ball was draining. I want to say they were seven of 14 headed into the half or uh, maybe that was in one quarter alone. I can't remember. But I, I do know that they were at some point in like a 50 percent clip heading into that third quarter. Um, and yeah, I mean, the offense looked really good. Just the drive and kick looked amazing. Uh, pick and roll, you know, again, was another amazing uh, touch on that with Dwight Powell getting some touches, uh, even Josh Green and Kyrie running the, running the team, running the unit uh, in transition. It looked really good. Um, I, I think my big question was defense. And, you know, it definitely showed allowing 63 points to one of the more worse offenses. Um, it definitely didn't help that, you know, the Spurs opened up the game with like four straight threes or something like that. And uh, Malachi Bronham was, you know, doing his he was going off. Um, which, I mean, that's a guy who's, you know, had his fair share of games in February where he's been going off. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I think the big question was defense. You know, we got to see Justin Holiday and sort of what he would look like. And it, it, it was really impressive. But as a team, uh, it definitely looked a little lackluster. Um, you know, it was open three. Uh, I want to say there was at one point like 36 paint points in the first half uh, by the Spurs. It, there was some something in the 30s or 40s uh, in paint points, and that's kind of where the Spurs were getting the bulk of their points whenever they weren't shooting a three. Uh, and that that's you know been the big deal with the Mavericks is these paint points. Um, it, for me, I thought it was unique that you know San Antonio doesn't really have a a big in the sense of like you know kind of like a a dominant big with Yaka Purtle out now. Uh, I guess their best one would probably be you know. Would it, ha- would, it ha- would have to be Kata Bates Diop or um, Bassey or Zach Collins? Yeah, yeah, wow, that, that's a pretty thin center rotation, but um, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of what surprised me most was that they were still getting inside the paint and scoring, uh, with those you know lackluster names being on their roster. Uh, and I, I think it was kind of alarming, you know, definitely as the game picked up and as the second half went along, it definitely you know coerced and you know the Mavericks look a lot better as a team defense uh it kind of seemed like Frank and uh Holiday had their thing going but I think in that first half that that was sort of the most alarm, alarming part but offensively they I mean there was really nothing else that you you saw that was like it, it nothing else that you saw that was you know too alarming or you know too negative in the sense that uh you know this team has a ways to pick it up uh with the Kyrie and Luka train I, I think I thought that was you know pretty good in terms of offense yeah, I think that off ball tonight, particularly from like Reggie and Josh Green, everybody did a really good job of reading and replacing, you know, when the Mavericks would run those horn actions, if one guy would dive to the basket and, uh, you know, the the role just wasn't there, he, he'd backtrack and they just did a really good job consolidating around the perimeter. The spacing looked really good tonight. And by virtue of that, we got to see like a lot of cross court passes from Luca to Reggie in the corner for open threes things of that nature. I mean, the offense was really humming in every sense. And, you know, any time that Luca was on the bench or, you know, he needed to take a possession off or two, I mean, you just have Kyrie to basically throw the ball to and say, hey, go give me a haymaker. I mean, Kyrie was a plus 34 tonight every minute that he was on the court. I mean, I know individual game plus minus isn't truly indicative or all telling per se, but you could just tell how much of an immediate impact he had on all facets of the game. I mean, even at his size, he, you know, still competes very intensely in terms of his rebounding and his defense. I mean, there was a few 
I think there's a possession or two where like Charles Bassey got the ball under the rim off offensive rebounds. Either he was either him or Kata Bates D up and he um, prevented him from scoring, made him, you know, force him into contested layup. I mean, it's just like the little things like that, that, you know, really like breed success onto the floor. So, uh, I mean, we're, we're really seeing the, the, the tandem of, you know, Luca and Kyrie, even if they're not always like directly coinciding in terms of, you know, plays, I mean, sure like they still have a lot more things with their offense they can unlock that we've seen you know kind of played with a little bit by Jason Kidd in terms of you know using Luca as a screen setter or you know running Luca as the lead ball handler and then you know running Kyrie off a zoom action or um, a stagger and then having a second option for Luca there we're, we're still seeing those things you know sort of sort their sort themselves out as they incorporate more of those type of things into the playbook but you know, we got to realize that he's only been here, Kyrie, that is, for, you know, I guess like two weeks or whatever. And, you know, he's only played, this is, I believe, his fifth game. So, uh, I mean, he he already looks like a really seamless fit. And you expect that with the talent, of course, as we alluded to in yesterday's podcast. And to your point about the defense, because, you know, the offense was just um, so inexplicably, like, impeccable tonight <laughs> for lack uh, for lack of a better term uh, the defense I thought was you know definitely a far cry from that to an extent but I I don't think that it was just devoid of positives there were still a lot of really good defensive possessions particularly uh you know by virtue of the Mavericks off ball and their perimeter defense uh, I thought they did a really good job you know rotating and replacing as a team tonight Reggie Justin Holiday, of course, who made his debut and we'll get more into, um, as well as even Frank, um, you know, all those guys, of course, Josh Green did a really good job, you know, staying tried and true on those rotations and getting out to guys and, you know, sifting through, you know, multiple spurs and things of that nature. And they also did a really good job sticking guys on ball. But, you know, it is the NBA at the end of the day. Nobody's perfect. You're going to get beat. And, you know, the, the really true sort of failure of this defense lies in its lack of rim protection. And I do think, you know, even against a lesser Spurs team where it didn't necessarily matter because the Mavericks were able to just, you know, th- throw the canister open and score 142 points, you did see the lack of rim protection um, really, really put at a premium tonight. I mean, there were Christian Wood had his moments. Um, in that third and fourth quarter, he had a few possessions where he blocked Kelton Johnson that were pretty good. But, you know, otherwise, Dwight Powell was, I mean, he he suffered pretty hugely. And, you know, Wood, for the most part, was fairly lackluster as well until, you know, barring a few good possessions. And they just really didn't have anybody to go to. And I, I know Maxi will alleviate some of these stresses, but it, it's becoming more, you know, clear and clear by the day that that, that is like really the biggest downside or gaping hole of this team right now is there is there a lack of a rim protector but you know barring that it was a very fun enjoyable win uh that even in that first half you know despite the Mavericks conceding 63 points it didn't necessarily feel as if they were playing bad defensively if that makes any sense I don't know if that's because you know I've got so accustomed to the rim protection woes and I, I just am so happy when they do good on you know, when the perimeter defense is good, I don't necessarily know what the causation of that is, or if it's because, you know, admittedly, San Antonio was making some 
you know, pretty tough shots tonight. I think they got a lot of positive shooting regression, particularly out of, you know, Malachi Branham, who, you know, I mean, he's been tearing it up all February. So I would even push back. He's, he's just been doing that guy is a bucket getter uh, to say the least. I would best descriptor of his game. He definitely gives you like sort of CJ McCollum vibes. Um, and just in terms of the way he's able to operate and probe and be able to rise up in the mid range, but also facilitate. And, you know, Devontae Graham, uh, he was sort of decent in that first half, but definitely tailored off, but obviously Kelvin Johnson, I mean, you know, one of the best, just all around, uh, just multifaceted guys in the league from his, you know, his ability to, you know, guard like one through four essentially. And then on the other side of things, uh, you know, be that point of attack ball handler who can get to the rim at well and, you know, use his strength and size. I wasn't really as particularly pressed about him. I mean, if he was on a better team, I, I think there would be arguments that, you know, he's in that, you know, all, you know, that near all-star category. He's a really good player, but, you know, I, I definitely think that they could have done some different things to to shore up the perimeter defense when they did see guys like Branham or Graham get hot. But to me, to their credit, in the second half, they did shift that accordingly. And we saw some more doubles and traps for the Mavericks. So, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that, that all those 63 points were indicative of the Mavericks, you know, just having a completely lackluster defense. I did think the Spurs – you know, made a few more tough ones than they typically do. But at the same time, the interior and, rim, you know, rim protection defense is uh, definitely exposed at the absolute fullest right now, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It definitely kind of seems like uh, this Mavs team is counting down the days to get Maxi back. Uh, I feel like it's only a matter of time, of course. And, you know, we're within uh, – I feel like an arm's length of having him back, but to me, it definitely seems like this team is in dire need of a guy like that uh, to come in and, you know, you look at the box or you look at the score, I guess the final score, 116 points. Uh, I mean, that's still a lot, but you, you know, I want to say they were stuck at 98 pretty much until the starters came out. So a lot of those points came in, you know, quote unquote garbage time. So I'm not too worried about that. Uh, They definitely started clamping up more so in that third and early third or er, er, yeah. third and early fourth quarter. And that's, that's what really impressed me. So I think next, like definitely transition into that and talking about the defense, but um, I guess like just to highlight, you know, one guy that I felt like brought a difference and I know it was his first game as a Maverick, but definitely Justin holiday. Um, I guess, you know, to me, it seemed like he brought like a different feroce, different intensity, uh, a different feeling on that defense, something that, you know, off the bench, we really haven't had without Josh green. Um, and you know, to me, I, I think that just speaks colors of who he is. You know, of course he's making his, I think he went five of six from the corner of three or e- even six or seven, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that was a guy that really stuck out to me. Um, I, I guess, you know, do you want to take away with, uh, what sort of defense he, he kind of freed up for the Mavericks in that sense. And do you think, I, I want to pose a question to you, does this game alone prove to you that, you know, can he be that third three and D wing off the bench that the Mavericks need? You know, obviously, we talked about this at nauseum in our last podcast, just seeing who's going to be that last cog in the rotation. Will someone step up that's capable enough for the Mavericks? And, you know, I'm definitely not going to take away just from one game that Justin Holiday is the, the cure-all there. You know, he is 33 years old at the end of the day. I don't know how, like, sustainable all this is. But, you know, where I kind of come back to earth upon – is the fact that, you know, he was playing a a larger role at, you know, both of his previous two stops with Indiana and Atlanta. And, 
you know, he's definitely still seems like he has a solid amount of juice in the tank, probably another like capable one to two years left. But, you know, in a reduced role like he played tonight, I mean, I do think he's capable. Um, I, I just would push back on the fact that, you know, he's proved it. I, I do still think that he has a little more ways to go in terms of proving that to me. Um, but if if I'm, you know, essentially drafting a hypothesis here, like, you know, if I'm betting on that last guy, who's going to be the last guy in the rotation for the Mavericks, I would definitely probably bet him. I mean, he, he you know, a lengthy wing, he's got – still like good foot speed and spurts even you know there was like one time I think he got beat back door or something like that by McDermott but I mean for you know his age I mean he still has very impressive foot speed and lateral quickness on that defensive end and you know he's really rangy understands the rotations well you know and he's a he's a good one-on-one defender I mean he has good strength and size and you know that six six frame it, it's just a matter of, you know, is the age going to start to wane some of those abilities, right? And I, I think in a capacity of 15 to 20 minutes a game, I mean, he could really, you know, serve as a capable stopgap measure for the Mavericks at the end of the bench. And I, I would hope that he gets the majority of those minutes because of the, you know, the veteran leadership, things of that nature. The Mavericks could have really found a diamond in the rough here. And it's very intriguing. And I mean, if this guy could be an integral part of the rotation, that would be huge. I mean, you're talking about a lot more wing depth at that point, you know, maybe at this point, maybe that shifts the sort of notion around the Mavericks of, you know, when we get to the summer, like, Oh, like maybe they, you know, maybe just want to take a chance on a younger three and D wing or something like that. Just take a flyer because I mean, this guy could be a capable cog in the rotation for, you know, potentially, you know, going on a year or two. So, I mean, I'm obviously, forecasting way into the future and I don't I kind of want to deviate a little from doing that and you know halt the excitement because it was against the Spurs it, you know the worst team in the league who did not have Jeremy Sohan or um, you know Devin Vassell of course who's out with the injury but at the end of the day um, you know he came in and he hit five out of six threes I think from the corner or uh, yeah I think all of them were from the corner or maybe one was above the break but he had five corner threes uh he may, it may not have all been corner. I can't specifically remember, but majority of them were. And he played very capable and solid off-ball and on-ball defense. Where he, I mean, he's just a very savvy guy. You can tell on that end in terms of his ability to stay home and not overreact. He's very disciplined. You know, there's the question mark, of course, of those, you know, the age and all that can catch up to him. But, I mean, right now he's shaping up to be a really good role player and a marquee buyout signing for the Mavericks. So we'll just kind of have to see how the situation evolves over the course of the coming weeks. But I definitely think in a more limited capacity, especially when Maxi gets back, uh, I don't know. That first game has me optimistic. You know, maybe we can just write off his sort of waning play this last season or two with the Hawks and the Pacers as him getting older and having to play too much, like 30 minutes or above. I mean, there's been times where he's had to do that. So, you know, in this sort of limited capacity where he has Bullock, and green and Hardaway sort of all intertwined with him as well as getting some Frank minutes in there. Uh, I wouldn't put it past him. And I mean, that that's about as far as I can go on that. Um, you know, I'm really excited, but I'm not, obviously I just, we got to see more, but that was what a hell of a game by him tonight. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I would definitely tend to agree with pretty much, pretty much everything you said. Um, I mean, definitely one thing that impressed me, uh, I mean, just like with his long frame, like he's able to kind of, 
you know, put the defender in a choke kind of, you know, whenever it's, he uses the baseline to his advantage. And that's what really impressed me. Um, that's what I was trying to get at, but uh, he was able to grab two steals along with 15 points, of course. Um, and yeah, I mean, just defensively, like I said, brought a different intensity to that team uh, and looked really, really good off the bench. And, you know, just a 21 minute sample size, you know, of course that's one game and against the worst defense, like you said, but uh, I, I'm, I'm going to write it. I, I think it's, you know, a pretty strong start, of course. I don't know if it's going to live up to quite that, but I think in a, like you said, like a 15 to 20 minute role per game, I think you can do that. Uh, and then some hopefully throughout the regular, throughout the rest of the season and headed into the playoffs. Uh, but I would definitely put my money on the fact that he's probably going to be the guy we look forward to, or at least look to, uh, to kind of fill in that last sort of quote unquote rotational playoff spot, uh, especially with what we saw tonight. I think he's just too good to not put in that spot, but I mean, I will definitely admit him and Frank looked really, really impressive, uh, you know, when they were together. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I guess, what do you want to cover or not? What do you want to cover? But like in the second half, like what impressed you most defensively? Cause you know, they definitely did start to clamp up uh, headed into that third quarter. And of course the, the end of the fourth quarter or the, sorry, earlier fourth quarter. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I thought the Mavericks did a better job of, sort of supplementing for the lack of rim protection between each other, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, I think they started to trap the Spurs at the point of attack a little bit more, particularly like Branham and, you know, Mr. Blake, Blake Wesley, who's a rookie who probably nobody listening to this podcast had heard of before the game. Like they did a, you know, they did, they showed the Spurs the respect that they rightfully deserved. And they were able to keep them off the glass a little bit more in that second half as well. They just did a, you know, just they all consolidated and did a better job boxing out. The Spurs finished with 45 rebounds in this one. The Mavericks finished with 36. So they lost the rebound battle pretty handily. But you can definitely tell that there was more of a concerted effort to, you know, keep them off the glass, especially offensively. And, um, you know, just kind of stopping that, that dribble penetration, particularly in that fourth quarter lineup that, I backtracked to that was just so good defensively with, you know, Frank and Justin Holiday and Kyrie and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Christian Wood. Uh, Christian Wood, he stepped up his game defensively, admittedly, in the second half. And I mean, that was a big part of it as well, particularly in that fourth quarter, as to why the Mavericks limited to the Spurs to, you know, only 26 points in the fourth quarter, like seven of those being garbage time. They basically damn near held them to under 20 points. Um you know, in, in no small part due to, you know, Christian Wood sort of, I'm not going to say evolving over the game because that would be kind of drastic, but, you know, definitely, you know, stepping it up in the second half as well as, you know, they were trapping the Spurs at the point of attack more. And I think that they, they just were able to supplement more by committee in that uh, last, you know, particularly that fourth quarter. And the, the tail end of that third quarter, I, I think we saw a little bit more effort from Luca defensively as well, you know, and, and it's just like, that's got to be consistent from game to game. And, you know, from half to half, the, the matter of the fact with this team is, is that we only see that, you know, usually one half a game or the other. And this team obviously doesn't have the wherewithal or the personnel to be, you know, a top 10 defense, um, even in, you know, when they're at their best, like you, you still don't, view them as like oh like they're just flying around it's not the same sort of vibe as you got with last year's Mavericks team you know it's impressive but it doesn't have that sort of just you know 
absolute sort of clamp and intense feel to it that last year's Mavericks team sort of gave off. So if they can, you know, really just get to middle of the pack or slightly above uh, by playing like they did in that second half uh, and do, you know, try to do that more, more often than not uh, for a whole game, I think that that's where we're going to see that marginal improvement come through. And especially when Maxi comes back, that, that could really elevate them to another tier, maybe not as, you know, to that top 10 tier, but, you know, maybe slightly under that. So I think that was sort of what shifted because I, I thought rotationally and in terms of the perimeter defense, I thought it was still strong from the first half to the second half. I thought they just did a better job trapping at the point of attack, particularly like Keldon Johnson, you know, when he'd get past, um, you know, when he get under that three, that three point arc, they did a, a much better job helping. And we just got to see that effort consistently, um, in multiple quarters and multiple halves rather just in, you know, one half. Yeah. I mean, pretty much everything you said, I, I pretty much agree with. I like, um, you know, you mentioned this, I like what they did just sort of like trap point defense uh, where it kind of seemed like at any point, you know, you know, like you said with Keldon Johnson uh, and it, it kind of seemed like they were able to do it with ease. Uh, I think that's what, you know, really stuck out to me was that, you know, Justin Holiday in particular, like that's the guy that that's he's playing his first game as a Maverick and it looked seemingly like a, a seamless fit. Uh, I, I think that was honestly the biggest thing. But yeah, I, I think they supplemented the interior defense pretty well for just pretty much rotating uh, and playing strong perimeter defense. I think that's pretty much what really stuck out. And this was probably the first game in the Kyrie Luca era where they did it for a full four quarters. I just think that uh, San Antonio definitely got some some good shots uh, and some you know tough makes. No, I would definitely agree with you there. But yeah, also I mean the Mavericks just were really able to ride the co- the coattails of that hot fourth quarter start. You know, once Kyrie really got that catalyzed, and you you know you definitely sort of see the shift with Kyrie uh, when he enters. Uh, the realm that is the fourth quarter, I even denoted as much on Twitter. Like he just taps into a sort of different beast. I mean, he's the, you know, highest scoring fourth quarter uh, scorer in the league this year in terms of points per game. He's, you know, very credentialed in that aspect. He's always obviously been a clutch guy. You know, he hit that shot against Steph Curry in 2016. I mean, I think the credibility is there. And I mean, even a lot of Nets fans were talking to me today, how they would defer to him versus, KD and you know the waning moments of game so I mean he really just can put teams away in a sort of you know daunting aspect if that makes any sense the way he just is able to manipulate the game and is completely unfazed by the pressure what are your thoughts on you know how when he gets to the fourth quarter you know there's times where you're like kind of pining maybe for him to be more aggressive throughout the game but I mean he he's a guy that just lets everything come to him and nothing ever necessarily seems forced, but, you know, during the fourth quarter, the ball, the ball always sees, seems to find him one way or another. And I mean, mean, he's making plays accordingly on both sides of the ball. I mean, it, I don't want to get too deep into this debate, but I mean, it brings the argument, like, would you take him, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter over Luca and you obviously depending on how they're playing, of course, but I mean, uh, I pose that question to you as well as what do you think of Kyrie's impact, particularly in those clutch time moments, or, you know, for that matter, just having the ability of those of two of those guys to, you know, either a put a game away or B, you know, bring the, you know, the tide back. Yeah. I think, I think with Kyrie, um, I guess it's kind of diverting back to him. 
Kyrie's kind of the guy that, you know, you look on the box score in the first half and he has like six points, you know, three assists, like sort of a, a minute sort of stat line for his comfort. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, you look up at the end of the fourth quarter and he's got, you know, 28 points. Um, and majority of those come in the fourth quarter. Like that's sort of what we've seen uh, from his Mavericks tenure is just this turn on where, you know, he's able to pretty much flip a switch uh, as soon as it hits that 12 mark in the fourth quarter. And, you know, he's able to just unleash whatever he has. And I think it's really opened up offensively uh, this Mavericks team in terms of, you know, what they can do and what they can sort of operate in uh, with, you know, offense and, you know, just running with speed. Um I kind of, you know, wanted to touch a little bit on that. You know, who do you, who would you divert to in the fourth quarter? And I, for me, it's it's a question of how do you want your offense to look? Uh, because Luca, you know, he's definitely the type to slow down the offense. Meanwhile, uh, Kyrie's the guy who's going to speed it up. I think if anything, uh, I guess I, what is this their fourth game now or third game playing together? Play um, fourth, uh, third together, third together, third. Okay, so yeah. If anything, I think through this three game stretch that's shown me is that this Mavericks team honestly runs really well in transition. Uh, and you know, they can get some really quick buckets in transition. I'm not gonna, you know, of course, you know, knock Luca's offense or what sort of offensive style the team runs whenever he's on the court, but I, I do think that this team has a, a level of you know, sort of amplified offense, and it to me, it correlates into defense. Uh, whenever this team is running and, you know, going those three on two situations while, you know, we a month ago, Luca would have pushed it back, wait for the five on five. Uh, we're, we're seeing, you know, guys pushing the floor meet like Josh Green, uh, Kyrie Irving. He had that one step through through like two guys uh, to get to the other side of the basket. Yeah. And that was really, really impressive in my eyes. Uh, I mean, that's just Kyrie Irving. But even still, it's a like your jaw drops every time you see something like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if you're looking at you know, particularly that question of who would you divert to in the fourth quarter? I think you just got to realize, you know, what kind of offensive style do you want? Um, and to me, it, I think it's simple. Uh, what correlates in the defense? And so far from what I've seen through the three-game sample size is, uh, I mean, I, I like to run in transition. I think the speed of this offense has really improved uh, whenever Kyrie's in the game. Now, yeah. no, I now, mean, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was like back to Luca because I feel like we knocked on Luca a little bit too hard. Um, he's able to still just dictate whatever he wants. Um, you know, we saw prime examples of that tonight. Uh, I think, you know, he definitely tailed off sort of in that second half, but then again, he didn't really have to play a whole lot in that second half. Uh, I think he played, uh, did he play that whole third quarter? Uh, I think he did, but I, I don't well, think he, he played. He, he didn't play any in the fourth quarter. He only, yeah. him and Kyrie both only got 30 minutes tonight and all the starters that played less than 30 minutes. So that's always a huge net win, especially, as they, you know, they get two days of rest in between games before they get to have this big matinee affair versus the Lakers on at 2.30 on Sunday. So, I mean, really, we're able, you know, they'll get another practice in between there. So that that's always a, just a huge net positive when you can come away with a big win like this and and all and conserve all the starters and stars energy. No, I mean, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I just think, you know, offensively tonight, it, it looked – there. You know, the vibes, as you say, the vibes are fun. I, I think that's very true. Um, I think that's a good point to bring up. But uh, the offense looked really impressive, like I said. And, you know, most of it, I think, was jolted through Kyrie in that fourth quarter. Um, and, I, I mean, he didn't really have to do much outside of that first six minutes. But I would definitely, you know, 
in a game like this where you kind of need offense to, or not even that, I, I would just say in general, you know, whenever you're playing a, an actual solid basketball team, uh, whenever you need to divert to offense a little more, I, I would tend to switch over to Kyrie in my, my eyes, but that's just through a three game sample size. Yeah. And I mean, I think that we also saw the synchronization of them together as well, a little bit like we saw Luca throw it ahead and transition a few times and really just start to, you know, uh, get those fast breaks up and going and, you know, just like the talent and the fit itself is seamless, you know, just having those two point of attack ball handlers who can do so many things, both three level scores um, in Luca's instance, you know, just a absolute, you know, first class facilitator, you know, Kyrie, he's no, he's no sort of slow guy himself in that, from that standpoint. Right. But, you know, just seeing how they're able to gel and the whole rep diversification of the offense and when they start running plays with each other, I mean, that's when they really unlock things to a new tier. And I mean, I, I just have no reason to believe that they can't do that. And we're already starting to see elements of that incorporated, but you know, if they've only played like three games together, of course. So, I mean, as that starts to come into fruition and they really start to iron out the intricacies of, you know, Oh, maybe we should divert to, you know, going slower in the half court here. Maybe we should push it right here. Um, or maybe we should run X, Y, or Z right here. That's really when this team, I mean, obviously that falls upon coaching too, but that's really when this team is just going to reach another tier of, you know, untapped unfazeability offensively. And that's, that's really exciting in term, for my opinion and in terms of the potential that Kyrie and Luca have specifically together. Cause I mean, they're already doing like a really good job. Um, but you know, once they really iron out those intricacies of playing together and the, the sort of rep, diversification of you know in that splitage and we see a little more even keel um workload from them through from each respective quarter that they're playing in i mean that's really going to be special i mean i think Kyrie always has the ability where he's going to just take it to a little bit of a tier above in that in that last quarter but still just getting you know more of an even workload things of that nature that's really gonna you know work wonders for this team otherwise jaron uh you know i we've obviously kind of covered the sort of um what's the word i am bluffing hard the the you know ho sort of holistic side of the game and you know chronologically we've covered it you know kind of half by half or whatever you want to call it so let's just kind of get into how everybody played individually you know i i think we did a good job you know we've talked about Kyrie at nauseum uh i thought luca did a great job getting to the line at this point and i already talked about you know some of those cross-court passes he was making, um, you know, when guys would, you know, rotate and replace on offense and he would get trapped at the point of attack. He just did a really good job, as he always does, diagnosing that and getting it to the corner, uh, to the weak side corner. Um, and, you know, the, the off-ball movement from everybody tonight was good. So, you know, he, as he always does, taking advantage of mismatches, you know, scoring from the mid-range, getting to the rim. Luca and Kyrie were Luca and Kyrie, to say the least. But, you know, how did everybody else fare? Um, let's start off the bench first, Jaren. As you know, the Mavericks had eight guys in double figures tonight. So we obviously want to talk about each of the contributory role players in this one. We'll start with Christian Wood. Um, what did what did you make of his game on both sides of the ball tonight? Only playing 22 minutes and, you know, he teetered with foul trouble all night. He had five personal fouls in this one. But it, I thought it was a very just sort of up and down game for him. Like the highs were very high, but the lows were very low. What did you have to think? Uh I think you honestly described it perfectly. The highs were very high and the lows were very low. Uh, it definitely kind of seemed like whenever he first 
came out, uh, it was very, very low. Uh, just some stupid boneheaded decisions on offense or on defense. Um, just kind of, you know, letting backdoor cuts be wide open, uh, even just kind of, just kind of, you know, I guess levitating away from his own man and allowing, you know, wide open dunks uh, and even just stupid fouls for some, for some points of the game. Um, and on offense for that matter, I think that he had a few stupid possessions of uh, just trying to, you know, do some hero ball and he ended up turning it over, you know, got pretty much stuffed at the rim. Um, but it definitely took a 180 turn. I think in that second half, uh, he definitely found his rhythm, started scoring the ball really well. He found a way to get to the free throw line. Uh, I want to say he was, yeah, he was second on the team with nine free throws. Um, and and he really, a, I thought he did a much better job also. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but just like no, diagnosing right. mismatches rather mm-hmm. than, you know, when, when he would get a Kata Bates D op or Zach Collins matched up on him, you know, those guys are obviously going to have a little, you know, more strength and, you know, more wherewithal to be able to, you know, prevent him from reaching the basket. You know, he's has obviously has a thinner frame for us, a guy of his size. Um, but in the second half, he was able to take advantage in the post a little bit when he was isolating uh, by virtue of the fact that, you know, he was, um, you know, when the Spurs were unable to scram switch, he was able to take advantage of some of those smaller guys accordingly. So I, I thought that that was big. and He was just getting better position and sealing down low a little bit better. But I mean, to your point, he did have a few positions where he kind of stalled out at points and where, you know, he, he kind of just tried to play hero ball. But you know, there were some really impressive offensive possessions. And then defensively, he, you know, really flipped a script in that second half with some of the blocks he had and uh, just, you know, making himself more of a presence on the interior. He he had a few egregious sort of overfouling moments in that first half. And there were some other things that necessarily didn't go particularly hand in hand with, you know, the flow of the game that he was doing offensively. But, you know, nonetheless, I, I thought, I don't know if he necessarily, you know, was able to, you know, tell Jason Kidd, hey, I need more minutes in this one. You know, there were definitely still a lot of, you know, ineffective possessions on both sides of the ball for him. You know, so I don't know how much he was helping his cause in that department. But, you know, I don't think it was a terribly totally uh, – I don't think it was totally a terrible game from him either. There you go. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) A totally terrible (laughs) – uh yeah i mean i I honestly you know in that second half i would agree with what you said just you know with how he was able to get to the basket um you know sort of taking these uh mismatches to the hole pretty much and that was you know really what i saw um i feel like he had a few times where he got to the hoop uh, and got fouled and definitely could have had an and one scenario but you know ball just didn't follow the right way uh but defensively i think that he stood his ground a lot more like you said and, you know, he had two like monster blocks and including one that pretty much put the the nail in the coffin uh, at the very end of the fourth quarter. But uh, I, I think, you know, he had a definitely a weird game, uh, but I think he finished it a lot better than he started it. And I think that's probably the most important part. Um, I feel like we already talked about Justin Holiday quite a bit. I don't know. Do you want to touch up on him a little more? No, we, we talked about his debut okay. at nauseum. All right. Uh, I guess we have to do Tim Hardaway justice. So uh, he was Miami Vice Tim. He was Miami Miami Vice Tim. He was coming off all the spot ups and all the DHOs. And he was, man, I mean, he was, he was draining it from every which way tonight, six for 11 on three, seven of 12 in the field. You know, a lot of this wasn't garbage time, but 
I mean, Tim was just that typical offensive cog. You could tell his presence was missed. I didn't think he was particularly a total black hole on defense tonight. You know, um, you know, he still has his possessions, of course, but I don't know. This was one of his better games of the season because uh, he had 22 points. And none of those possessions, you know, albeit some of them were in garbage time, but none of them felt as if they were sacrificial to the flow of the offense. And that is really where I was impressed with his performance tonight because he just did a great job, uh, you know, playing within himself and his abilities, you know, of course, still, you know, shooting a few haymakers, but they were warranted, you know, there were some heat checks in there. Um, you know, coming off some of those DHOs and things of that nature. But, I mean, they were open, good shots, and he was making the defense pay. And, I mean, obviously having another guy off your bench who can do that was impressive. I mean, this is his first game off the bench, too, um, since they, you know, seemingly switched Reggie Bullock to the starting lineup. And that, from that standpoint, I mean, we always have this, you know, sort of lifelong debate over if Tim Hardaway's junior is more well-suited on the bench or as a starter. But, I mean, I, I don't necessarily know what the role is going to be going forward, particularly, you know, as we've debated this at nauseum, what role he should be relegated to for the rest of the season. But, I mean, if he can come off the bench and do this, then, you know, I would definitely prefer him off the bench given, you know, the injection of defense in the starting lineup. But, you know, the way he played tonight, he was the perfect microwave six-man type of guy off the bench. And so, I mean, he, he had a hell of a game tonight. He was on full Miami Vice mode. He was on full Miami voice, vice mode. Uh, I, I think, to me, the most impressive fact, and I know you touched up on it, was just the fact that he came off the bench and did this. I know throughout his career, it's been a long sort of debate that this guy, uh, you know, you have to kind of put him in a starting lineup to really elevate his game. And, you know, to see him drop 22 points and honestly have a pretty solid defensive game in terms of Tim Hardaway defensive games uh, off the bench was really impressive to me. And, uh, just the ability he was able to score, you know, off the DHOs, of course, and off the curl-offs. Uh, I, I thought that was really impressive. You know, just classic Tim Hardaway. It didn't look, you know, too flashy or anything. But uh, I, I think, you know, this is definitely one of his better games of the season, and especially the fact that it came off the bench makes it feel much better. No, 100%. Um, next up, you, I want, you want to touch on um, Frank a little bit and just in terms of his defensive effectiveness. I, I thought I saw a really interesting tweet tonight. I was like, Frank, is it going to be able to actually fill in the gaps and be the fifth guy, you know, that 10th man essentially in the rotation now, because, you know, you can hide his in productivity on offense since you, you know, now that they have Christian Wood, Justin Holiday, and Tim Hardaway Jr. coming off the bench. I was curious to get your thoughts on that. Uh, I think that was at Brian, uh, that dude on Twitter. I'll have to get his exact at so I can accredit him for that, of course, but what did you think of Frank? He didn't really necessarily do anything offensively, but he served as a good ball mover. Um, you know, he obviously is good at attacking close out, uh, closeouts and then, you know, kicking it out to the wing. Um, you know, he was not self-sufficient in terms of his creation ability whatsoever over one tonight in the <laughs> field. Uh, and it was just literally one three. And Justin Holiday was practically begging him to take it. He passed it to Justin Holiday, then he passed it back to him because he was more open. He's like, come on, bro, shoot it. I know you're scared. But um otherwise i mean he obviously played really capable defense tonight he was you know really showing his versatility on that side of things but you obviously saw the limitations offensively so i just wanted to i was interested to see like what your thoughts are in terms of the inclusion of him on this rotation i mean i know justin holiday kind of relegates him to not having to be as much of a cog 
uh, come playoff time. But in terms of the regular season, what do you think his role is going to be on this team? Uh, I think I, I that's a I mean that's kind of a tough question to answer, but I think you know in terms of this game, you know, offense was definitely a black hole. Uh, but defensively, I think we really saw his game put to a T. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, of course, his standpoint. And, you know, I, I just to bring it back to, you know, game or not game seven, but just to bring it back to the Phoenix series, uh, whenever he was able to sort of clamp up uh, Devin Booker, I, I think it was in part due to, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, um, you know, RIP, but. Uh, I think it was in part to Dorian Finney-Smith and his, you know, plug and play sort of thing where, you know, he's able to bounce off of Dorian uh, and play off that. I think it was kind of similar tonight with Justin Holiday. Uh, you know, just that, you know, long, linky three, long, linky uh, three and D wing. Uh, and he was able to really you know, elevate his defensive game. But really, that I think, you know, defense was a a, a a T for him tonight. And that's, you know, been of course throughout his whole career, but I think that was really the most impressive thing Um, to speak to his role, I guess, for the rest of the season. I honestly really think it could be more of that. Uh, That's sort of what we used him for, you know, early on in the season before his role started to diminish, of course, but we, you know, he came in as like that main defender. I think if, you know, Justin holiday is definitely playing like this throughout the throughout the rest of the season, you know, we don't need him as much. But, you know, again, a, a nice one-two punch off the bench could be very needy for this team. And I, I would, you know, sort of push back and say, you know, you don't need him in a playoff rotation, but you definitely could use him. Uh, and I, I think, you know, that's a guy that you have to look at, especially early on in a series, sort of look at that matchup. What can those two guys, especially off the bench, do um, if they are, you know, if they do play like they did tonight. Uh, but, yeah, defensively, I think, you know, it was an A plus for Frank. I think he was able to, you know, sort of clog the passing lanes really well. Uh, you know, rotationally, he played really, really crisp. Uh, and, you know, just off of uh, Justin Holiday alone, I think he played really, really good. Yeah, no, I would definitely tend to agree with you on what you said there. Um, you know, just kind of speaking to some other guys, you know, Theo Penson, Jaden Hardy played very limited, you know, more, mostly fourth quarter garbage minutes. So <clears throat> I don't necessarily think that we need to speak too much to the choir in terms of how they performed tonight, but you know, they, they played hard in their, in their limited minutes down the stretch. Um, otherwise, you know, lastly, the last two starters in the rotation, you know, we touched on Dwight Powell tonight. He did a really good job. You know, we, we say, I feel like it's the same sort of summation of Dwight Powell, every podcast here. And we always say he does a good job of running the floor, does a good job, you know, of exploiting the pick and roll as the role man when it's warranted, uh, you know, running those horn schemes and diving hard to the basket, um, you know, being the guy who fills it in the dunker spot. Occasionally, you know, you get the the solid hustle rebound game from like from him, like we did tonight with eight boards, even though he historically has been a pretty bad rebounder. <coughs> but otherwise, um, you know, you, and he even had three steals tonight. He, I thought he did a really good job rotating uh, with some of those off ball steals, but, you know, he's still going to get beat on ball and he's still going to be, provide pretty bad rim protection so I mean um I feel like it's the story of that every time but I think he had a great game tonight nonetheless uh for what it's worth and what he could do you know there were obviously you know Zach Collins doesn't have the most foot speed out of anybody in the league but uh, they definitely are you know pretty knack for knack size wise and I, I think Dwight definitely won over those minutes which I was impressed by uh, because, you know, those guys are fairly comparable, not necessarily 
in terms of their athleticism, but in terms of their skill and ability, you know, for combining everything overall. Otherwise, you know, Josh Green and Reggie Bullock, I thought played great tonight. You know, this sort of new invigoration of defense in the Mavericks starting lineup where they at least had deferred to, you know, saying that we do at least need two wings here. You know, it's pretty devoid if we have Tim in here, even though even as good as his shooting is, you know, I, I don't know where I stand on that totem pole, of course, you know, because I know he alleviates so much stress with his ability to shoot at times. But, I mean, I, I just think the invigoration of defense is just too needed. I want you to speak exactly, uh, you know, just on both sides of the ball, Reggie specifically with his shooting, you know, Josh with his, you know, ability to attack off closeouts and, you know, attack from the wing, but, you know, also, you know, provide that speed and transition and really run the floor, you know, speak to what they were able to do offensively as well as, you know, to their defensive impact tonight. Yeah. I mean, for Reggie Bullock, he had, you know, just a really good, honestly, uh, Reggie Bullock game. I think that's sort of the game that you want to see from him. Uh, he was sort of the spearhead. Him and Josh Green were sort of the spearhead in terms of that really good perimeter defense that we saw tonight. Uh, those were the two guys that sort of led the charge in that defense. Um, but I think, you know, offensively, Reggie uh, was definitely, you know, that sort of kickout guy, and that's what he needs to be, making those corner threes. Uh, he even made a top of key, a top of the key three, which is really, really impressive for his eyes. I think it was 29 feet to be exact. That might be like his longest three pointer of the year. Um, I, I want a, uh, I want a corrector or someone to DM us and actually prove that, but I'm pretty sure that's his longest three of the year. Um, but yeah, I think Reggie Block, he just had a really honestly great start to the game. I, I it was more so his scoring in the first half that kind of opened up for the Mavericks. Uh, they got off to a really hot shooting start and it was in large part due to him. Uh, in terms of Josh Green, being that guy to sort of attack off closeouts is sort of his DNA and bread and butter. Uh, whenever it comes to, you know, this sort of offense, whenever it, it's paired with Kyrie and Luka, uh, he just frees up so much space. I think he had a kick out. Um, who was it to? I want to say it was in the third quarter. He had like a drive and kick. His uh, one of his classic like jump and kicks. Um, I forget who it was too. I think it was Reggie, but it may not have been. Um, but I'm pretty sure it resulted in an open three. Uh, but anyways, I, I, you know, just being that guy that can sort of drive and kick and uh, really just kind of create his own offense by being so crazy yet so controlled at the same time. Uh, that's sort of what he did all in then some tonight. Uh, he's also able to knock down a few threes and even, you know, bring the ball up, bring the ball up the court, even whenever Kyrie and Luca were both on the court at the same time. Uh, let those guys work off ball to create, you know, some sort of ball movements and things like that. I think that's sort of what we saw uh, from Josh Green's offense tonight. Uh, defensively, you know, he had a block to go along um, with his honestly pretty pretty good defensive game. Um, I, I, you know, I I don't think anything reaches out to you or like I I stats that are like okay, that's amazing in terms of this game for him uh, as compared to like games in the past. But this is definitely a all-around Josh Green game where you know you look at the stat board and you're like, okay, this is how he should play, 82 games out of 82 out of 82 exactly. out of 82 games, and uh, that's that's honestly what's really impressive to me. But um, yeah, yeah I think that's really you know like this is like yeah yeah base level Josh Green you know if he's not having a really good performance and that's even like Derek Harper alluded to that in the broadcast just in terms of you know how he's able he has this sort of just ability to really you know supplement this you know in all areas of the game despite how he may be shooting despite how his offense is looking and that that's 
really what we're starting to see from him. What did you see from the Spurs perspective? You know, what inhibitions were they able to put upon the Mavericks defense? You know, we obviously kind of talked about Keldon Johnson, you know, everybody knows the talent that he is, but you know, Malachi Branham, his ability to, you know, really come in and play as a three level scorer, even despite how unknown he is. Um, Blake Wesley, you know, this rookie who seemingly is really able to put pressure and transition on guys. And he's just this sort of spark plug guy who comes in, does all the little stuff. He uh, passed off of Luca's back to get a wide open inbounds dunk. I mean, he was running hard in transition. Uh, Charles Bassey, you know, is like really good offensive rebounding center who, you know, may evolve as, you know, if his defense gets better, could be really good one day. I mean, they had a few interesting young guys and, you know, Kata Bates Diop, he actually played a lot better offensively than he typically does, but, you know, he's just that sort of like really versatile guy, you, you know, you kind of look to to defend three through five, but the offense just usually isn't there. But, I mean, they had six guys in double figures themselves, um, and seemingly it kind of didn't matter in this one, almost seven with Blake Wesley having nine. So, I mean, they have some intriguing young guys, and, I mean, they didn't even have Vassell or Sohan playing in this one. Uh, I was just curious if you had any thoughts on how any of those guys fared tonight because um, despite, obviously, the limitations that this roster has, they still do have, you know, some intriguing guys who put pressure on the Mavericks a little more so than I think the Mavericks uh, predicted it at first hand. Yeah, I think, um, honestly, I was just kind of curious and I looked up uh, Malachi Branham's or Branham's sort of stats and I just found out that he is younger than me. He's 19 years old um i'm i'm sorry but he doesn't look like a 19 year old uh but yeah no i mean just that i know he's had a really good month of february i think he's averaged like 18 points in the month uh but his sort of i guess elevation i want to say he had like 20 points in the first half and he looked like he was about to go off against the mavericks and sort of he was like one of the one of the only guys kind of keeping the spurs in it uh, especially in that first half in like early third quarter i think um but i think I mean, other than that, I, I feel like uh, Blake Wesley, I, I feel like he brought, you know, this sort of really kind of intensity. And I know at one point in that second quarter or third quarter, I can't really remember, uh, he looked like he was about to be Jose Alvarado and, you know, sort of pickpock everybody across the court and bring it, you know, and do that thing. Uh, and that's what he was sort of doing. He was kind of just being a pest. Uh, I think if you're a rookie and you want to make a name for yourself, that's what you got to do. And that's what he was doing against Luca. Um, outside of that, I really just don't think there's anybody on that team that really warrants other than, of course, Keldon Johnson, who I feel like we've talked about enough. Um, Zach Collins, I mean, he didn't have the best game. Uh, he, he got on the boards good. And I, I will say that he had 12 rebounds tonight. Yeah, he, he did a little it, yeah. bit, you know, he played a, he played halfway decent defense on Dwight Powell. You know, he has, I, I will say Collins, he, he does have a sort of, one thing that impresses me about him, if I highlight anything, is like he has a sort of robust ability to, you know, really just like keep churning uh, despite the circumstances. Like he's a very like competitive guy. I mean, you've seen him get in a few fights a couple times, like, and and he is like a sort of hallmark for of consistency for them. I mean, I think he could be a decent backup big on some teams. I, I just don't think he's particularly like good enough at at any one thing to you know, really elevate his standing in the NBA, obviously with all those injuries and things of that nature. But I do think that, you know, given the right circumstance, like I think there's some teams that can use him. He's not terrible in defense. He's not terrible in offense. He's just not particularly like, 
really good on any of them. I mean, he came in as like this sort of like switchable five, but that just never kind of came into fruition as the lateral quickness has waned with all those knee injuries. But I mean, he's there's still something in the tank there. And is he, I mean, is he the modern day Dwight Powell where he's just not good at anything, but not bad at anything, but just uh, the white Powell is really he's excellent at rim running though. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You got a good point. Yeah. Excellent at rim running. Yeah. But I mean, I'd say his best attribute is his rebounding, but I don't know. He, he might be, serving as a, as a guy that you know screws around and is like this like really good stretch five in a year or two you never know how those how those things turn out especially with guys like that in terms of the contender but you know nonetheless it was just too insurmountable of a task for a depleted and young spurs team to overcome the mavericks tonight to get their first victory at home with luca and Kyrie. it was a fun one but you know don't want to take anything too crazy away from this one given that it was against a pretty bad spurs team but it was still a very fun victory and it sets the stage for the Mavericks to have a matinee affair versus the Lakers at 2.30 on Sunday at the AAC. We're psyched for it. Two days in between games after this elongated stretch of no games sucks, and I wish they played tomorrow, but it is what it is. Nonetheless, we appreciate you guys for listening this far on the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs. Make sure to follow or subscribe if you are listening on any of the allotted podcast platforms, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. We really appreciate it. If you're on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, of course, as well. And, you know, comment, how is LeBron's hairline going to be walking into the arena for the Mavericks game as they play the Lakers on Sunday? Other than that, we appreciate you guys for listening this far on the podcast. It's our 100th episode, so we appreciate you guys coming out all the way for this one. Nonetheless, we will catch you guys in the next one. We've enjoyed the journey so far. We're going to keep going. The vibes are indeed fun.